to the preaching and teaching ministry of Marion Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. had a thought come to me this morning I've never, ever thought before in my entire life. And that is this. Isn't Christmas just kind of like a glorified baby shower? No, but please don't quote me saying that that is the case. It's not. But I got to thinking this morning, I was just kind of thinking, how do I want to open? How do I want to introduce the thoughts that God's put on my heart today? And it just came to me. Well, you know, it's all about a baby, celebrating a baby being born, um, there are parties, there are gifts, there's food at many of these events, but yet the celebration of Christmas is about celebrating a baby being born, but it is not a glorified baby shower because of who that baby is, and we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning before we leave here to go celebrate with family. But I want to encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. I want to read Matthew's account of the basic Christmas story of what this is all about. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, a fancy word for us today would be sort of like engaged, to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, we're so used to hearing that. And Luke shares all the details of the angel showing up and telling Mary what's going to happen and how God has orchestrated this and all that kind of stuff and her joy of being used by God, her willingness to say, God, may your will be done in my life. But I cannot imagine that she was very excited to tell Joseph about what happened. We don't even know for sure if she told him or how he came to know that Mary's pregnant. But if you can imagine this passage as we continue to read on, Joseph is deeply in love with Mary. Because there's a lot of things he could have done that would have been more harmful. And he chose, I don't want to do that. And he finds out this young woman that he's supposed to marry is pregnant. And I doubt it helped very much. If this conversation took place, he talked with her and said, how could it? And she said, don't worry about it. God did it. But God knew what Joseph would need to be able to carry out God's plan. So we read about it as we go forward. In verse 19, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man, but unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And that day, if you were betrothed, similar to engagement, you could not cancel it or break it off except with a formal divorce. And behold, as he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, I would not even begin to think that Mary went to Joseph and said, I told you so. But anyway. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. 
Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Today, I want to speak with you for just a little bit about Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew doesn't name the prophet, but the prophet he's talking about is Isaiah. And Isaiah had prophesied a long, hundreds and hundreds of years before this event about the virgin conceiving, bearing a son. He would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, Jesus, according to what we have recorded in Scripture, there's not a single time in Scripture it's recorded that somebody called Jesus Emmanuel. His name was Jesus. In fact, the angel told Joseph, you will name him Jesus. And the name Jesus means God saves or the Lord provides salvation. It's it's a combination of God and salvation, God and salvation, that God saves. Little trivia note, it's the same name as Joshua, except Joshua is Hebrew and Jesus comes from the Greek. The Lord saves. But it says here that the Prophecy was that he would be called Emmanuel, and that's repeated here in this story. But I think it's not so much that that was going to be his name that people would know him by, but instead a very important title and description of who he is and what he would do. It wouldn't surprise me at all if later in his ministry, as people began to recognize who he is and what he came to do, that someone might would say, oh, I think he's the Emmanuel. They even said it to his face. But his name was Jesus. But... He is Emmanuel, God with us. When I think about that phrase, God with us, it reminds me of two different things about the biblical story, the very beginning and the very end. In the very beginning, when God created the world and it was good, and on the last day he said it was very good, and toward the end of that creation, he created Adam and Eve, and he created them specifically to have fellowship with them. And even though it's not stated specifically, when we look at Genesis chapter 3, there's a story after they had sinned that they were filled with shame and they hid themselves. And it says that that God came down to the garden in the cool of the day. And it seems to indicate that he's there to meet with them. And the way I read it, it makes it sound like he did this on a regular basis. That he came... Personally, he came in some form or fashion that they could sense to meet with them, to relate with them, to be with them. But they'd hidden themselves. He says, where are you? Sin had created a barrier between them and God, and that same barrier exists today and has all through history. Every single person is born with this barrier between them and God that keeps them from having an intimate, personal relationship with God and it's sin. But before that, God was with His people, all two of them, in a very special way. But I'm so glad that we get to read the end of the story because the end of the story tells us that this whole story that we're involved in, the history of humankind and all of it that's related in God's word is all about fixing what Adam and Eve broke. 
And when we get to the last book, at the very, very end of the last book, in Revelation chapter 21, John has this vision, and he sees everything at the end of time. And this is what he writes in verses 3 and 4. He says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. Amen. God's going to put everything back together the way you originally created it, the way it was meant to be. And humankind messed it all up. But that's only possible because in the middle of the story... Jesus came as Emmanuel. He came as God with us. I heard this quote years ago and I love it. It is that Jesus came to be with us so that one day we can be with him forever. Forever. In Jesus, God became man. That's why Christmas is not just some kind of glorified baby shower. We are celebrating the birth of God himself becoming flesh, becoming human. He came into this world to experience it as a man, not just to try to affect it from the outside as God. What does this mean for us today? Well, basically, it just means that Jesus is still with us. He is not with us in the same way he was way back when he was physically on the earth because his physical presence was there. But he is still very much with us. And that's what I want us to focus on in the next couple of minutes Today, because I believe that each of us needs, I think, this, not necessarily a reassurance, although some may need a reassurance, but an encouragement, a statement of faith, a declaration of truth, something that we can cling to, something that we can be encouraged by, and that is that Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. Now, we can make a big, long list of circumstances in which Jesus is with us, but I just want to give you a couple this morning. First of all, we see that Jesus is with us when we struggle. Jesus is with us when we struggle. Now, I know it's Christmas time, it's celebration time, it's holiday time, so none of us are struggling right now, right? I mean, everything's cool. Of course, that's not true. You know, our struggles don't stop just because it's a joyous time or supposed to be a joyous time or just because we get to be with family. In fact, for some people, I hope you're not one of them. Struggles just begin when you get together with family you haven't seen for a while. Hope you're able to laugh at that. Anyway, if you're not, I'll be praying for you. But Jesus is with us when we struggle. There's a promise in the Old Testament, so it's not specifically related to Jesus, but it is a promise from God. And I love this in Isaiah 43 verses 1 to 2. God says, and it's true of Jesus, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. 
He goes on to say, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flames shall not consume you. But that phrase right there, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. He's not promising that if you go swimming, you're not going to drown. He's saying when you go through those waters of difficulty, when you go through those times of struggle, I am there with you. And can I tell you that promise is true whether you sense his presence there or not. And we need to cling even more closely and, 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 and strongly to that promise when we don't sense his presence. When we're having those questions, when we're having those doubts, we're saying, God, where are you? The answer is an unqualified, I'm right here. Maybe some of you need to really focus on that today. When Jesus came to the world, he touched many who were struggling. Struggling with sickness. Struggling with death, struggling with loss, with grief, with satanic oppression and possession. And he came to set the captive free. Jesus was with those who struggled. And he still is today. He is still with us. But can I tell you, it's more comforting, it's more encouraging, it's more helpful. If we not only recognize that truth. But if we fully surrender to him and we turn to him and we depend on him in our struggles, we will have that presence, I think, made more clear to us. Jesus is with us when we struggle. Jesus is also with us when we sorrow. And I know sorrow can be a struggle. Each of these points can kind of overlap a little bit. But Jesus is with us when we sorrow. I think the passage that most clearly and quickly comes to my mind when I think of this is Psalm 23. Most of us are familiar with that. But in verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That passage is often quoted and spoke on during a funeral or a memorial service. In fact, I just did that Wednesday morning for the funeral that many of us were involved in for Barbara's son. The valley of the shadow of death, it can be related to when I'm facing death, when I'm going through that, but it can also relate to the fact that someone I love, someone I care about has died. And it can also relate to the fact that this is such a difficult situation, it feels like I'm going to die, but whichever way it is, it says that God is with us. Jesus is with us. And especially if it's a time for sorrow, Jesus is with us when we sorrow. When we look at Jesus' life, I think the story that this just jumps out is the story in John chapter 11 when one of his best friends, Lazarus, has died. Lazarus got sick and Jesus wasn't anywhere close. And his sisters, Lazarus' sisters, sent to Jesus and Jesus, you know, your friend, the one you love, Lazarus is sick. And I know what's in their mind. Come quick and heal him. And it says Jesus loved him so much that he waited two days. There's a whole sermon in there. I preached it before. I'll preach it again. But sometimes God loves us so much he's going to wait to touch us and help us. But he's got a good reason. And in the process of waiting and then traveling to where Lazarus is, Lazarus dies. But Jesus knows what he's going to do. He even hinted at it to his disciples. He says, we waited on purpose because you're going to see something really cool. That's very much of a paraphrase, by the way. Jesus didn't use the word cool, but he meant it. 
And so he gets there and the sisters are devastated. Both of them, if you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. See, he'll live again. But as they go to the tomb, Jesus knows in just a couple of moments, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus is going to be, well, I was going to say, Lazarus is going to be great. I can't help but wonder if sometimes if Lazarus says, why did you bring me back? I was so much better where I was. But anyway, the sisters are going to be exuberant. People are going to say, wow, I mean, this is going to be phenomenal. He knows that's going to happen in just a couple of moments. No doubt. He doesn't have to wonder. He's got the power. He knows this is what God wants to do. But yet, when he sees the grief around him, when he contemplates the fact that his friend Lazarus died, and I believe it's because he realizes the pain and the sorrow and everything else that sin brings to humanity, it says that Jesus wept. Why? He knew in a couple minutes everything was going to be fine. It's going to be more than fine. It's because he feels with us. He's with us in our sorrow. We've had a number of funerals in the last three weeks. I think three of them in the last couple of weeks. Can I tell you that if you're in a place of sorrow, Jesus is with you. Turn to him. Depend on him. Draw from him and his presence in your life. The third thing is Jesus is with us when we suffer. Again, these all overlap. Sorrowing can be suffering and struggling involves suffering sometimes. But specifically, when we're suffering in any way, you know, Jesus is not just with us, like he's present with us, like I'll be there to hold your hand. But he is with us in the sense that he also understands what we're going through. Because the Bible says that that was one of the purposes for which he came to this earth was that he could experience all that we experience and understand from personal experience what we go through. He knows what we're going through when we suffer. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 to 16 says that we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. The high priest was the one who would go to God for man and would come back to man For God, he was the go-between, which we don't need anymore. Thank you, Lord, for that, because Jesus took care of all that. But it says that we don't need, you know, we don't need, we don't have some high priest that can go to God on our behalf to offer a sacrifice, to say a prayer, to do whatever, who doesn't understand what we're going through. Because we now have Jesus, and Jesus understands what we're going through. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is with us when we suffer. Jesus is with you when you suffer. Turn to him. Make use of the strength and encouragement He wants to bring to you. He knows what you're going through. And he's with you in the midst of it. The fourth one is that Jesus is with us when we serve him. We serve him. Now, I'm not talking specifically about suffering or sorrow or struggle, although those can be a part of serving God. But just talking about, you know what? I've got a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I'm trying to live my life for him. And aren't you so glad that once we commit our lives to Christ and we start living for him, everything gets easy, right? No, but 
If you really commit yourself to serve him, I mean, to do great things for him, I mean, as great as you can with his help, then they get easy, right? No. (laughs) In fact, often they get harder because we have an enemy who fights against us. Paul faced that. He writes often about the struggles and the difficulties that he went through in serving the Lord as an individual Christian, but also as a minister of the gospel. And there was one time, it doesn't say this specifically, but it seems to indicate that maybe he was about ready to give up because God had to give him a very specific word to not give up. And that's when he's ministering in Corinth. And we read this in Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10. Paul's been in Corinth for a little while. He's preaching the gospel. Lots and lots of opposition, which to be honest with you is not that unusual for Paul. There's always a lot of opposition when he goes to preach the gospel. But it says, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision. So this tells me this is serious. For God to have to show up in that specific and clear of a way, there's a lot going on in Paul's heart. There's a lot going on in his mind. And when he showed up in that visit, he says, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and don't be silent for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you for I have many people in this city who are my people. That makes me think that Paul must have been thinking about giving up. He must have been thinking about stopping his speaking to being silent because he says, don't stop speaking. Don't be silent. God, a great work. I'm with you. And Paul was there for another year and a half and saw great things happen. The same thing is true for us today. As we're serving the Lord, whether we're serving in a place of ministry, which we all have a place to serve if we know Him, or just trying to live our lives to serve God, to please Him. It can be a real struggle sometimes. There may be times we feel like giving up. It just seems too hard. It's it's costing too much. Maybe not in money, that could be too, but in effort and time and energy and and especially if it seems like it's not making much of a difference. Jesus is with you. He doesn't want you to stop. You don't need to stop. He has promised that as we seek to live for Him and do what He calls us to do, He will always be with us. He said it to the disciples before he ascended into heaven. And I believe that promise extends to every single one of us. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, he told his disciples, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded to you. And behold, I am with you always even to the end of the age. The last thing I want to share with you today is that Jesus is with us because we need a Savior. And see, all these other things are true. All these other things are a part of why He came to this earth, why we celebrate the birth of this baby. But this is the main reason right here that Jesus came was because we needed a Savior. As I said, the story started good. It got all messed up. God wants to, re, you know, recreate it, re, restore it, and renew it and all that kind of stuff. But for that to happen, a price had to be paid and God had to pay it himself. And that's why Jesus came. 
Sin caused the problem. Sin is the barrier and the only way it could be taken away is by God himself. One person put it this way, only the Emmanuel can be the Savior. Our mediator and deliverer must be truly human, yet he must also be truly God in order to save us from our sins. He must be man because it is man who has sinned, and it is man who must pay for sin. But he must be God because only God can bear the weight of God's anger against sin. You know, Jesus didn't come to be with us because we were perfect. Because we're not. In fact, it's just the opposite. There may be people we love to hang out with because they're really cool. We really love them. They really love us. Everything's great between us. That's not why Jesus came to be with us. In fact, because of our sins, Jesus should be against us. But he isn't. Instead, he came to take care of the problem. The Bible makes it very clear. The truths that our sin separates us from God. Just as Adam and Eve's sin put that wall, that barrier between them and God, every human being since has this wall, has this barrier between them and God. Paul says in Romans, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In another place in Romans, he says, and the wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, although that's part of the price to be paid, but spiritual death. Separation from God while we live this life and for all eternity. But that same verse that says the wages of sin is death goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that was offered because Jesus came. Because he's Emmanuel. Because he's God with us. And he paid the price for our sins upon the cross. You can't separate Christmas from Easter. You can't separate Jesus' birth from his death and resurrection because that's why he came. Because of his death on the cross and his resurrection, we can have new life. Jesus, God himself, came to earth and lived the perfect life that we could not live. So that when he died, a death he did not deserve as God and man, it paid the price for our sins. How, how do we receive that? Is it just automatic? The Bible makes it very clear it's not just automatic. We need to believe in him. And it doesn't just mean to believe he existed, believe he actually came, believe this little baby born in the manger was God. James says the demons believe all the right stuff as far as the truth of it. But they tremble because they know that they're eternally condemned. No, it means to believe in the sense of have faith in, put your trust in, to depend upon. And so basically what it means is you come to God and say, God, this is what your word says. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Jesus came to be that savior. He died to pay the price for my sins. I'm going to put my faith, my trust, my belief in that that's true. And I'm going to put my trust in him instead of myself. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Help me to live for you. That's how we accept that gift. You've probably already received some gifts this Christmas. Given some gifts, you're going to receive probably some more. I say probably because I don't have one to give you. Sorry. In case you're thinking, I got them all. I think, oh, maybe Pastor Tim has. No. But the greatest gift is the gift of salvation. 
given by God, paid for by Jesus Christ. And I know most of you that are here today and probably most of you that are watching online have already received that gift and that's one of the reasons we're all celebrating today. But if you are one of those who have not received that gift, you see, you don't receive and benefit from a gift unless you actually take it and unwrap it. God offers it to you, but you've got to receive it by faith. And if that's you, I challenge you and I encourage you to do that today, this Christmas season. We received a Christmas card a couple of years ago and I loved what it said, so I typed it up and I've got it in my file on Christmas. And it says this, it says, Jesus came into the world to be with us and to live among us. Through his life and ministry, he was all things to us. A counselor to talk with us, a friend to share with us, a shepherd to walk with us, and a physician to care for us, and a savior to die for us. Today, he is the risen Lord and King who lives to reign in us. May all that he is be all that is yours this Christmas and always. I like that sentiment. It says, all these things that he came to do and be, the most important one is Savior, but counselor and and comforter and friend. May whatever it is that you need today be met because you know Jesus. And as we wrap this up, I just want to say, what do you need him to be today? Now, very quickly, I want to say, I'm not trying to say you can just come to God with what you need and forget him the rest of your rest of the time. I'm not, I'm not talking about just calling on him when you when you're desperate for something, but having a relationship with him in which he wants to be all that you need because he's already your savior and already your lord. As we've seen today, he's with you in your struggles. He's with you in your sorrow. He's with you in your suffering. He's with you in your service. And maybe today you just need to come to him and say, "Lord, I thank you that that's true." I just need your help a little bit extra today. But most importantly, and actually before all those other things can be true, you need him as a savior. Let's all stand together. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But I just want to ask, are you here today? Or maybe you're watching online or listening to this later. And you say, here it is, Christmas Eve, going to be celebrating today and tomorrow Christmas, and Jesus came. All kinds of plans, but because of what God has spoken today, you realize you need Jesus as a Savior. And today, you want to surrender your life to Him. You want to come to Him and ask Him to forgive you of your sins because of what He did on the cross. And surrender your life to him and begin to live for him. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? Because I want to pray for you and with you. Anybody here today say, that's me. I need a savior today. I want a savior today. Maybe true of those that are online. I just want to lead us all in a prayer. There's been various responses. And I just want to encourage you that if this is your heart, that you... Say a prayer, something like we're getting ready to say, but it must come from your heart in your words. But could you say something like this? God, I come to you today. And I thank you that Jesus came to earth. God himself became man. Emmanuel, God with us. And he did it to die on the cross 
to pay the price for my sins. God, I admit, I recognize I am a sinner. I repent of my sins and I ask that you'd forgive me for all the ways in which I've opposed you and your plan for my life and what you have for me. Please forgive me. And I ask you based on what Jesus did, not what I can do. I thank you that he died to pay the price for my sins. I put my faith, I put my trust in him and what he did. And now I surrender my life to you. Help me to live for you. A life pleasing to you. Thank you for your presence in my life. Thank you for the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before we close totally today, one more thing. How many of you say, you know what? I could just use an extra touch from God today. This is our prayer time. You need an extra touch from God? Just raise your hand. Nothing to be ashamed of because we all feel that way, right? Let's just pray right now. If you're next to somebody that's got their hand up, just about everybody does. So if you're comfortable with it, just lay a hand on somebody or join with them. If you don't know them, maybe be a little leery. I don't know. But God, we just stand here today with our hands raised saying, Lord, we need you. And Lord, we thank you that you are always with us. God, may we experience your presence in a special way today and tomorrow and every day. And Father, on those days that we're struggling or sorrowing or going through difficulties, Lord, and we pray and we don't sense your presence, help us by faith to stand strong knowing that you are still with us. God, there are many needs, I'm sure, that are represented by the people that are here today. Healing, strength, wisdom, help with a relationship, with a job, with school, whatever it might be. God, I pray that you would touch each one and help them as they depend upon you to receive what they need and to do what they need to do. And I pray that you'd help each of us to have a wonderful time celebrating the birth of Jesus. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org. 